Welcome to the new season of the Health Nexus podcast, powered by Jefferson Health. Our world-renowned experts answer your questions about your health. I'm Gianna DiMedio. This summer, the Delta variant hit our region and we once again saw the reports of cases rising. Dr. John Zerlo is the chair of the COVID-19 task force at Jefferson. He said this relapse in cases was a gut punch to the progress and hope that vaccines provided. I talk with him this episode about the variants of the virus, booster shots, and how to stay safe, from hanging out with friends to students going back to classrooms. Dr. Zerlo updates us on everything COVID-19, what's in store for us this fall, and the future. Dr. Zerlo, what do we need to know at this point in time about COVID-19 and the Delta variant or the others that are out there? What are the most important things for people to know going into the fall? Probably the most important things to know are first that this Delta variant, uh, both nationally and regionally, has become the predominant variant. Something like 98 or 99 percent of those viral isolates that have been uh, sequenced have been Delta. Delta is clearly the number one player. When you look at the cases, both cases and hospitalizations across the country and certainly across the region, you can see most certainly that that, that it all correlates with vaccination. The areas of the country that have higher vaccination rates are seeing fewer cases and most certainly fewer hospitalizations and deaths. Do we need to worry about other variants coming to the surface? You know, it's a very difficult question to answer. The CDC is following all of these variants. People have heard of Kappa and Mu. They certainly are being followed, but none of them have been in any way successful in lodging Delta from its dominance. So they are are of concern, but Delta remains the, the big variant at the moment. And I know the answer to this next question is going to differ between whether somebody is vaccinated or not. But what are the precautions that people should be taking for this fall? I know we've seen in the city of Philadelphia that the mask mandate is once again in effect for indoor businesses. I'm sure we'll see more outdoor eating again. Should people be dining inside restaurants or doing indoor activities in general? What's your recommendation there? I I think it has a lot to do perhaps with your social circle. So for people whose uh, friends and family are, are largely or completely vaccinated, I think people can be a little less cautious in gatherings, even indoor gatherings. Certainly outdoor gatherings have always been safest, quite frankly. I I think the the challenge remains with indoor venues where there are lots of people around and clearly the unvaccinated carry the biggest risk. And advice for parents, children are going back to school for in-person learning and many people endorse this, but that obviously brings a risk of being exposed. Some of these children are not vaccinated. What we've seen with Delta is that uh, clearly more children are becoming infected. And in addition, more of the children being severely ill, requiring hospitalization and such, Happily, that still remains an uncommon problem. But I think the biggest challenge or the bigger challenge really has to do with who are these children around that they could then infect susceptible individuals, individuals and families who are immunocompromised or older, and particularly individuals in those categories who are unvaccinated. I think that's really the challenge. I I think it's very difficult to navigate. It will, will be difficult to navigate the school year or 
families with individuals like that. So that's interesting. So you're saying that even if the Delta variant infects children, it is still pretty uncommon for it to be severe because we are seeing that severity on the news. Is that the news sensationalizing it or is that a real risk? You know, we're seeing it more than we had in the early part of the COVID pandemic. Is it common? No. Happily, it remains uncommon, but obviously our children are among the most vulnerable of our of our population. And, and so I think the, the challenge is seeing any child become severely ill with COVID is, is a very difficult, quite frankly. I talked to some pediatricians recently. They said, absolutely mask your children, especially those who are not able to be vaccinated. First of all, is that something that you agree with? And then what about the children who are too young to wear masks? Very difficult questions to answer. I think for children that can be masked and will wear a mask, I know there's a lot of controversy about this, but in my view, if they can wear a mask, they should wear a mask. If they're too young to keep masks on, then we try as best we can to mask them, but realizing that that's not going to be so easy in very young children. Right. And what about what you're seeing in the hospitals? Some reports are saying that the most severe cases are among those who are unvaccinated. Is that true? Are you seeing anybody who is vaccinated that needs to be in a hospital? The vast majority of individuals at our hospitals and across the country who are hospitalized are are unvaccinated. Those that are vaccinated and hospitalized, they fall really, I'd say, into two categories. One is that they are, for example, immunocompromised, or we're seeing people in older uh, age groups, particularly 75 and older, who've been fully vaccinated. We're seeing them in the hospital. The others that we're seeing in the hospital are, are individuals at other age groups who are hospitalized, but they're not particularly sick, and they tend to have short stays and get discharged. So we're seeing you know, study after study after study coming out now, even comparing, for example, the early part of the pandemic following vaccination, and now the, the time when we're seeing Delta variant. And overall, we're seeing that the vaccines are not as effective as they have been in preventing COVID, but they remain highly effective for individuals who are vaccinated in preventing hospitalization and death. Mm-hmm. That remains a continued, consistent story. Yeah, and that's incredibly important. So that's great that we're able to see that. I think one of the biggest challenges that we might have this fall is what's the difference between COVID and a cold? We talked about this last year, but this year, now with people being vaccinated, it's great that the symptoms may not be as severe as those who are unvaccinated. But then how do you determine whether it's COVID or just your standard cold? Do we need to be getting ourselves and our children tested even at the simple sniffly nose? At what point with symptoms should people say, I need to get a test? Hopefully before they get too sick mm-hmm. so we can we can see them earlier. But remember, for, for the mass, vast majority of people, even unvaccinated, who are of a younger age group, you know, the chances that they'll get over COVID without getting terribly sick remain good. They remain high. The The whole challenge of a pandemic, though, of course, is that we don't live alone in a world. We live around people who are more vulnerable to infections than, than others. So we, we certainly see many individuals who are at high risk who have not gotten vaccinated, but then have become infected by otherwise young, 
healthy family members, that remains the challenge. And unfortunately, we're a year and a half into this now, which is crazy to say, but with that, the resources are a lot more available than they were last year. It's a little bit easier to find a test and to be able to be in a position to figure out if you do have COVID. So I imagine you would urge people that even if you have the thought that you might have COVID to go in, get tested, so they're not in a position where they could spread it out in the community. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And certainly if you're sick, even if you don't get tested, you should stay home, you should stay quarantined to, to prevent the spread of COVID. Because remember, one of the, the challenges to Delta is that it's highly transmissible, much more so than the original COVID viral isolates that, that right. came out in early 2020. Now, the crystal ball question. If you had a crystal ball, you would probably be a trillionaire at this point to be able to predict what is going to happen with this pandemic and the virus. But if you did have that crystal ball in front of you, what do you think you could see happening over the next few months? Is there such a thing as an end to this? I mean, it seems like it has completely transformed our society. Well, I, I think, you know, our eventual expectation is it will no longer be a pandemic such that it's it's affecting us in the way because of so many people becoming infected. It'll become endemic, meaning that we will have individuals who become infected with COVID all the time because there are going to be some individuals in the population who have not been vaccinated or have not ever been infected with COVID and hence remain susceptible to it. So we will move into that at some point in time. I think the, the next few months, as we get into the winter season, children are close with each other at schools, children and, and adults and colleges and so forth, where there will be a substantial risk of transmission. I, I think we'll have to see how that unfolds. Remember, for large segments of the population, we have a, a high degree of vaccination, which along with a high degree of infection would indicate a high degree of immunity in the population. We talk about this herd immunity thing. At some point we will reach that and then we'll see just really a, a low number of COVID cases just continuing along as we call it once again, endemic rather than pandemic. And we'll have to see how we move forward with, with recommendations for booster vaccination that may enhance the immunity of the population even more. That remains to be seen. I want to touch on that herd immunity that you just said. Is that the next couple of months or the next couple of years? Is it hard to forecast? We've heard so much about that. So what are the projections? I think clearly we're talking about months rather than years. I don't think we'll be dealing with this in the same way even a year from now, but it may take several months as Delta, I mean, being so infectious and, and transmissible, as that really works through the population and along with the high vaccination rate in many parts of the country, I think we will see a decline in cases, once again, measured in months, but not years. Do you see COVID being parallel to what the flu is to our society now in that we'll need to get a flu shot every year, so we'll need to get a COVID vaccine every year? You know, there are very different viruses in many ways in the way that flu has expected shifts and drifts in its, its genetic makeup. While we've seen some of that with COVID, the reality is that COVID is not quite as transmutable. In other words, it, the, the genetics of it don't change as rapidly as influenza, as long as the case numbers really come down. Remember, the more people that become infected, the more cases there are, 
the more virus that's circulating, the more chances of a variant developing. As the num decline, we'll see less opportunity for that to happen. And as a consequence, we'll, we'll just see less COVID. So will that mean we'll need yearly vaccinations, something like that? And the answer is it's not clear yet. It's not even clear that we'll, that the majority of the population will need a single booster. My guess is what's going to happen is that there will be boosters recommended for individuals of certain age groups. Mm-hmm. As you recall, right now, we already have authorization for boosters for certain kinds of people with compromised immune systems. So my guess is that we'll move forward to giving at least one additional booster dose to certain age groups in our population, but that's still being discussed at a national level at the moment. Right. And so that's important to touch on, too. There's been talk of a booster, but that's not to say that everybody who is vaccinated needs to rush out and get an additional booster right now, correct? I I think I've heard right now it's really just been recommended for those who are immunocompromised. Yeah, that's correct. My guess is that we'll move toward booster vaccinations in elderly populations, and that's not terribly unusual for any vaccination. We know, for example, that influenza vaccines don't work as well for individuals over the age of 65. And so it's, it's possible that those individuals will need one additional dose. Fast forward a year from now, will we be doing boosters on an annual basis? That's not clear yet. And for you personally, I mean, it's obviously been a crazy and challenging year and a half. What has it been like for you to watch all of these advancements happen at such a rapid speed? The fact that we could get a vaccine out so quickly, the fact that we can do all this genome testing and and just testing in general so quick is is reassuring that we actually have a very functional medical system and and system of of monitoring and and uh, and adapting and so forth. With that said, I, I think it's a, a bit of a gut punch in that you know back in late June, early July, we really thought we were past COVID, and obviously things have changed with the the rise of the Delta variant. So uh, it's obviously been a setback, but I, I remain an optimist about where we will be. And we'll we'll get over COVID at some point, as I said, measured in months, but not years. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I mean, it's an optimistic outlook, which I think you've always had, and you've always been a beacon of hope for everyone here at Jefferson and the Philadelphia community as a whole. We are so happy to have you as a resource. So thank you again so much for your time. And thank you for all the work that you've done. Pleasure, of course. For information on managing COVID for yourself and your family, visit thehealthnexus.org. You'll find personal stories from patients dealing with long-haul COVID and tips from pediatricians on keeping your children safe as they go back to school. For up-to-date information, follow Jefferson Health on social media. I'm Gianna DiMedio. Thanks for listening. <laughs>